choose sanity. Don't don't pull your spread yourself too thin. But there comes a time where it's like, just get out of your own damn way and do the thing. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. This is episode number 134, and I'm your host, Rachel Anthony. I am excited to have Food by Maria back on here. She is a blogger. They have a cookbook, an app, all the things. They have launched courses. Maria is doing a billion things, and she's amazing, and she was on poolside podcast uh episode 121 if you want to listen to that that is more about her business and how she got into it and her journey into her blogging career but in this episode she shares her content creation process why she chooses to go with a more edited magazine type look feel for her photos and how she manages so many clients per month we talk about the importance of finding your own voice building a brand that reflects who you are, but also how to get inspired from other people on the internet since we are still in quarantine and spending a lot of time on our phones. Maria shares how she has been using her platform for not only body positivity, but how filters impact our well-being, why mental health is so important, and also social justice issues. She gives her advice for people who want to use their platform to spread a message, monetize their account, or just build a brand you're proud of. This is another great episode. Maria is of wisdom and I'm always happy to chat with her. So let's get into it. Here is Maria. Okay. Um, we will get going. The only thing, maybe don't like pick up the popcorn bag. I can't tell you're eating it, but just don't like pick it up. (laughs) There's not much, honestly. And I'll try and like only grab it when you're talking. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Wrong with me, Rachel. I just get snacky and then I need to eat. It's fine. It's fair. I wish I could eat popcorn actually, because I with braces, like they just like it'll get stuck and then don't suggest it. Yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Welcome back to Poolside Podcast. I am sitting here with Maria. This is her part two of two podcasts. And the last one we did was like a a month ago, a couple months ago. Um highly recommend listening to it. But we are going to talk about influencer marketing, food blogging, all the fun stuff. So thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Rachel. I feel like it was honestly in December. I don't remember if it was in January. I feel like it was ages ago. Yeah. I mean, and it probably was actually, it probably was in December. It's crazy how fast it goes. Yeah. It was definitely before your jaw surgery, I think, or just after it. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I bet you it was like, I can even, I'm looking right now so we can just know when it was December 15th. Wow. Oh my God. Well, that was just after your surgery then, or just when you were comfortable to start talking again. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So yeah, if you guys want to listen to it, it's episode 121 to listen to it after you listen to this one. It's good. It's got all the details, my friends. Yes. No, it's awesome. And do you want to just give a quick little introduction for people who either didn't listen to that episode or don't know who you are? Absolutely. So as Rachel mentioned, my name is Maria, Maria Cotillianis. I am a photographer, uh, content creator. We've got an app, book author, uh, essentially a human uh, running a really awesome team and platform. Uh, recently uh, in 2020, I started two new companies. Andrew argues with me and tells me they're not technically companies, but like, so I've got Media by Maria and uh, Food by Maria and the Maria Method now. 
But all in all, as a person, I'm just a person existing on Instagram, creating really delicious recipes for people. My motto is fear not food is your friend, trying to eliminate food insecurity and just creating a space that is safe for people to kind of reevaluate and reassess the relationship with food. And um, yeah, it's like a bias-free zone. Although I am predominantly plant-based, I try not to talk about that a lot because I just want food to feel like food. Definitely. And yeah, you can't really tell that you're, that it's plant-based, like, because there is no like mention of it really until I guess you were to like make a lot of the recipes, you would notice that there's not meat, but, but yeah, I do like that, that it feels very inclusive to anyone who just wants like a good recipe. Yeah. I mean, sometimes for SEO purposes, we'll have to use words like plant-based vegan or, you know, the traditional goddess, (laughs) whatever it is, plant goddess. Um, (laughs) other than that, it's a uh, pretty basic and I try and keep everything really just chill. And I want people to eat good food. That's literally the goal. Definitely. And I want to talk about your content creation process. And I actually didn't even think about this till right now, but I think one of the first Instagram workshops that I ever went to was yours probably like five or six years ago in like hustle and co. I think that's what the co-working space was called. That, uh-huh. that wasn't five years ago though. That was, well, like three years ago, maybe? I keep forgetting we're in 2021. It might've been 2017. So it might've been four years ago. But I remember you sat there. I saw you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was interesting. Oh my God, I still can't even, I don't even know where, where I was at then. I don't even, I think I had one person working for the team then. But anyway, I remember being at the Instagram workshop and I remember you explaining your content creation and then putting up your feed and pointing out like how your photos like match the colors and the tones and you like really plan that. And I was like, Oh, cool. So that was my, like, I didn't even have a preset. I didn't do anything at that time. So I was like, Oh, you do have to put a lot more thought into what it looks like. It really stuck in my brain. You're like whole workshop. <laughs> I didn't even know you were supposed to do that until Oh, I don't know, maybe like a year prior, maybe a year and a half. Cause I remember looking at my photos and being like, these are awesome. But then I'd start looking at my feet and I'm like, holy shit, this looks really bad. <laughs> and then before I knew it, I was like, oh, okay. So people pay attention to like the aesthetic. So I used Unum to put everything together and like, wait, this is just a podcast. Oh my God, you guys, I was about to show you an image. I am a <laughs> But um, so, yeah, what are your questions about that? Because I recently just found out a really cool method for my friend. Yeah. So I was going to ask if that's still like how that has evolved from your like planning your feed back in 2017 or whenever that was till now. And if you are still really focused on like the aesthetic, because I know trends of Instagram are kind of changing where it's like, oh, you should like make it less edited or less aesthetically pleasing and and so I just want to know how that works for you as like a food blogger and what goes into your planning of your feed right now. For sure. So honestly, there I feel like there are two types of food bloggers. And then there's lifestyle bloggers that play into the food blogging aspect of it. So with Food by Maria, I am still highly edited and highly curated when it comes to the feed. Instagram remains the same, filterless, me showing up as I am as much as I can. That too has also shifted with the pandemic and everything. I don't want to consume as much just because a lot of it isn't always positive and it's different. So I've been posting differently, which I will tell you about once I'm done telling you about the first thing. So with editing... 
The reason I've decided to do that is because there's two types of food buggers. There's the Rachel Mansfield, Shut the Kayla, Brocker, Body, all those people where they take their people along for the ride on stories and then show them how to make it and then quickly snap a shot and then post it. That's their vibe, which I love. A lot of work still goes into it, but their vibe is the reality behind it. But my business has recently, thank God, um, taken on freelance content. And that's because of how high quality my content is. So brands are looking for more long lasting content to live on their websites, to live maybe on their Amazon sites. Eli and I do a lot of videography. So they needed to get a taste of what their content could look like represented by me. And I don't fit into the fly off the seat of your pants type of content. I don't resonate with that type of aesthetic. And I realize a lot of people do and they vibe with that. But when you run your own business on Instagram, as you know, you have to make the right decision for yourself. And for me, a lot of my revenue comes from clients that want high level content. I'm not being hired because I have the best engagement on Instagram. No, I'm being hired because I'm one of the leaders with food photography. So that's kind of what I had to keep in mind when I decided to maintain that. Cause yeah, you're seeing a huge shift. A lot of people only want to see like, you know, TikTok style stuff, or maybe even when you post a reel, they want it to feel real. But with me, I want to land clients who want high level content that can reuse my content for years and years to come. I find that the stuff that's being put out now isn't exactly recyclable. It's more just one use, which is great. That's why it's good to have two types of us. You can have the ones with high engagement, real, still good content, or you can have someone like me whose content lives on forever. And then um, the editing process is still very much the same, but what I've recently started implementing is while editing in Lightroom, I have my grid up. And then I also have my latest image that I'm gonna place it next to for white balance so that everything, like, honestly, I never even thought this was possible, but if you go look at Food by Maria now, the whites, go look at the whites. And when my friend gave me this tip and it's honestly been game changing because not only is it cool to focus on like the filter, but where it's kind of appearing and the white balance and all these things. And I know once again, this is way too perfectionist, but if you want to land magazines, if you want to be featured in, you know, like food 52 and all these really high level curated brands, like some of this shit matters. And I know it's just whatever, but that that's just what I pride myself in. That's what, like, I want to be someone who provides really high level content. And I feel like we're achieving that. We're really differentiating ourselves in the industry by being like, it's good. It looks good. Perfect. Right. No, I love that. And I think it is a choice when someone wants to build their brand or evolve their Instagram specifically and making the choice about what kind of content they want to make, because it is, it's so different. And I, I feel like there's a pressure now to make your feed look like all the trends. So make it look like real and no filters and like to make your feed not look perfect, I guess. And like my feed doesn't look perfect by any means, but like, I think there's a pressure to be like, you have to follow what everyone else is doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, for me, like I love taking photos on a DSLR and editing them in Lightroom. Like I love the whole process of it. And so I don't want to just snap a photo with my iPhone, not put a filter on it and then post it because that takes away the like creative part that I actually enjoy. And so you just do that instead of worrying about like what Suzanne with no filters are going to think on your feed. Do you know what I mean? 100%. And I think also 
people don't know how to be themselves, I feel like, anymore. And, like, case in point, man, center parts and skinny jeans aren't in. Whatever. Who gives a shit? Just wear what you want to freaking wear. Like, um, Melanie Lauren. She would, I would say she's um, following trend. And I'm not saying she doesn't know how to be herself. That's not what I'm saying. Shout out to Melanie because it's cute. What I'm saying is she's a good example of what people I think are doing right because it's still showing up filterless. Or maybe I'm trying to think of other examples of people where you're still like encompassing a vibe, but you're not completely doing what everyone else does. But I think this is a trend that TikTok has started because it goes viral. So then everyone does it. Same thing happened in my industry with the the wrap pack and the baked feta. Yes. Everyone just did it. Mm-hmm. So right. it's the same thing. You just, you don't know how to be yourself anymore. Totally. And especially now that we're in quarantine and we spend so much more time on your phone, you've kind of even lost any like external inspiration or like doing anything for yourself because you've just stared at your phone for like eight hours. So what are you going to do besides just do whatever you just saw without even, you're probably not even like conscious about just copying whatever you just consumed. Right. Yeah. It's hard, man. Um, living during a pandemic, and trying to remain creative is fun. Is there anything that you're doing to stay creative? Have you found any like tools or tricks that have worked for you? Light, playing with light, natural, harsh, fun light is really fun to stay creative. I watch a lot of the Food Network still, like Home and Garden, colors, things like that. Um, So if you're creative, sometimes if you get like a new outfit or I don't know, you get like new linens for your bed or some shit. Like you take the photo and you're jazzed, you're stoked. For food photographers, typically things like linens, ceramics, and backdrops can really ignite that. So if you just kind of keep your, you know, once again, you guys can't see, but I've got a whole thing of backdrops. Um, I have a whole shelf of backdrops. We just got um, props and all the things. Like if you just kind of refresh everything you have and what you're currently using, that's really inspiring too, because then you find different color sources and different ways that you can use contrast. So that's really fun. Um, But yeah, inspiration. Also people on the internet, man, like we can't deny, like nothing's unique anymore. You know what I mean? So people on the internet vibe with you. There's so many creatives out there who are killing it and I look up to them, but maybe they have shit photography. So you kind of just have to like meld both of the, the vibes that you're feeling. Definitely. And do you want to walk us through what like a whole content process looks like? So from like getting either a brand campaign or creating a recipe to the like Instagram post and the blog post. Do you want to walk us through what that looks like the journey? For sure. Okay. So we did a whole course on this, which is really fun. So if you're out there and you're creative and you want some help kind of doing the get to the brand door, this is really fun, but I'll kind of walk you through the whole process. So essentially it all starts in the DMS. You get the reach outs, You've typically tried the product before you ask the client, you know, you, you ask the client if they're aligned, is there synergies, synergies, you kind of get like excited and jazzed for each other. And then you land an email. And then from email, I have like a template on how to reach out to them. And then you get all the reach outs. And then we eventually get to the point where we've agreed on a rate. How much detail do you want me to get in? As much as you want. I feel like people don't even really understand what goes into it. So as much detail as you want to give, I think it's good. Nothing is more insulting than those freaking DMs recipe. It's like Susan. (laughs) We need 10 hours of work. 
just wait, Susan. My God, sorry. <laughs> One of my friends keeps texting me. I just, uh, I'm going to put my phone away. Not texting, calling. She's another like CEO. She's amazing. I'll tell you about her later. So you send all the messages and you eventually get to a point where you're at a negotiation phase. So you've sent the emails and they're interested. So from there, you kind of start chatting about concepts, things, prices, but you can't do anything until you have a contract and a price set together. So for Food by Maria, because I don't have a manager or anyone that deals with this, this is kind of like my zone of genius is what I've always been good at is landing my own clients. So we land rates based on rate cards, depending on if it's videography or photography, Eli and I have rate sheets that we send out to our clients. And once the negotiation process has been finished, we then send um, concepts for recipes. So the client will tell me if there's something going on that month. So for instance, if there's a holiday, if they have something in season or maybe just with myself. So you just eliminate that first step. And if I want to make something for Easter, you think about like how that works and comes into play. And then you create the recipe. Maybe you have to test it two or three times in your kitchen. And then you get to a point where you're comfortable to shoot it. The client approves what you've obviously chosen to shoot. And then you edit from there. It's actually really fun. So once the editing is done, the client gets to choose images. So you typically agree on five to six images that the client wants. So I usually end up editing about 20 just because I love a lot of the stuff that's created. And once those are chosen, you can like, you have an opportunity to make more money because maybe they want to buy more rights from you, but maybe they want to buy 10 of the images. So you kind of just like negotiate that stuff, which is really fun. And then from there, behind the scenes, what's happening is I'm sending SEO content to my blog writer, Lauren. And then from there, Kaylee is identifying the SEO and then he's telling her if these are good. If not, he's sending new keywords and tags. And then from there, we have um, Nicole Barker from, uh, I think it's just Nicole Barker, uh, VA. She does all my Pinterest. Once the blog posts up, she deals with that. And then from there... I take some of the copy that Lauren's written and I compose it into a caption. And then I will send that with the images to the client for caption approval. And then once that's approved, we kind of go live on all the platforms. So Pinterest starts pinning IG posts, Facebook, um, all the rights are kind of uh, bypassed. So if the client wants to use that on their socials, there's, they'll start posting. I feel like there's stuff that I'm missing, but basically it's like a really long process, but the biggest parts is like, you have to write down the recipe, write the blog post, do all the things. But lucky for me, I've outsourced contractors that have been with me for a while that help with that. But not only that, there's like a lot of huge elements as well. Like I have someone who is hired for my marketing and that means that they maintain like the website's appearance and they're constantly redoing things. So maybe they need to communicate with people at the Pinterest team on changing the ways the pins look. And then Trevor, who is my developer, if something crashes, then he'll have to tell the Pinterest person and then he'll tell Kaylee and then he'll tell me and I'll have to tell my client that the blog, do you get what I mean? So like when people think that you're just a food blogger and I realize there's different stages of it but it's certainly like really big and there's a lot going on like when someone says like oh you do so many sponsors deals I'm like yeah of course like this is our business this is what we run but it's literally not as simple as me sitting down after cooking and then taking a photo it's really intense um I mean I'm not a freaking like what are they what's the most dangerous job lobster catchers I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not a lobster fisherman um lobster catcher wow well-versed. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, from there, it's like getting maybe uh, animated Instagram stories created, getting your stories created, but your client would have already approved that if you needed to. And for me, sometimes it's just a matter of like scheduling time to do stories, to talk about it and making sure that you're sharing and engaging. And once you've posted on Instagram, you have to stay there for about 30 to you know, 30 minutes to one hour talking and commenting and doing all the things. And it's a lot of work. And that's, that's what you guys, this is without even video content. So sometimes Ela and I will create the video content, we'll shoot it and I'll have to wait a week for him to send approvals. And then from there, the whole process has to start over, including those deliverables. And it gets a little bit more confusing because maybe they want to have edits at 30 seconds and then at 41 seconds and they need that and that. And then we have the text and then we have to add the alt text and then we have to have voiceover so people with um, hearing impairments can hear or read. It's, um, there's so many things to consider. So it's, yeah. uh, I feel like and I'm I, trying to scatter, scatter about that, but that made sense. Totally. No, it definitely makes sense. And I feel like the scatteredness of it makes it seem real. Like it's not just like a linear process that happens all the time. And it makes it sound like a business. Like this is a business, like it's creative and it's fun, but it's also like you're running a business with people that work for you. You're creating content for other businesses. Like it's a, I think, I think now people are much more willing to admit that it is a real business and influencer marketing and blogging is real. But I think there probably is still some skepticism because like you said, people just think you snap a photo and you get paid lots of money for it when that's not what's happening. People are just in denial that people can make really good money. That's my they're just, Yeah. Or they're just jealous that they just don't do it and they're not the ones making money, creating content. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, there's so many aspects to it. And actually I just recently started a different way of posting Instagram stories, which I'm really loving. So do you ever let your Instagram stories completely um, expire? Uh, like just for the 24 hours? Mm. What do you mean? Yeah. So, oh, that's why people get confused. I see what you mean. Do you ever just let yourself never have an Instagram story? Uh, no, maybe by accident, but like never on purpose. (laughs) Right. Okay. So we used to think that was like a good thing to like, Mm -hmm. I've tested it and it's working. My views are up like 600%. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And do you go in and delete stories so they don't, so that you have room or you just like don't post like them continuously? I only post at one time of day, everything. Oh, okay. And what that does is that keeps people there from the front to the finish because you're telling a story and it happens really quickly. So if I right. know I have to do sponsored content, then I'll start the post with like, you know, that engaging story that sucks people in. And then I'll try and segue it and then I'll end it. It'll expire. I'll wait two hours and then I'll redo it. I've been doing this for a while. No one can tell yet that I'm like not posting, but because of the way that I'm posting, it looks like it's throughout the day, but it's just well organized. Like, you know, when Kim Kardashian's ring got stolen, she had to stop posting the day she was somewhere. And then the next day, that's kind of like what you have to start doing. I don't do it like the next day, but it's just in a way where it's just all at once. Mm. Literally my oh, views yeah. gone up from like, they get like 30 K views now. Wow. And before that was very unheard of for an old account. Right. An old account doesn't get that type of views because of how long they've been in the game. Like most people right. get like five to six to seven. So it honestly depends. It's very interesting. 
I would just give but, it a chance to see if it works. Yeah, totally. I think it, I mean, anything is worth trying, I feel, especially when it is sponsored or you're looking for more engagement. And another cool thing too, is to note when your followers are online more. I have been posting at 10 p.m. at night because apparently no one sleeps anymore. <laughs> and it gets a lot, dude, it's crazy versus in the morning. Cause people are like, you know, eating their breakfast or maybe they're practicing no being on your phone till 10 or whatever. Right. That obviously is good to know. And especially cause no one has anything to do at night. There's not going, they're not going anywhere. So you're just like bored watching TV while scrolling your phone. We're all watching the same TV series. You know what I mean? Like everyone's doing the same shit. Totally crazy. Yeah. I'll definitely have to try that. And for so you're the process you just explained, how many sponsored content or campaigns do you have going at the same time? So, or like how many do you do per month or what's to give us yeah. a context? I was actually doing my content calendar today for uh, March. Uh, it changes every month, but March we have Okay, so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, eighteen in March. That's wild if you just think about the process that you said for one of them and then multiply that by eighteen all happening at the same time. Yeah, so the thing is is some of these are freelance. and some of them are just being created in March to be approved for April. Or maybe some of them are being in March, created in March to be approved for like first week of May. A lot of it can sometimes be around Eli's schedule and some of it can be based around my photographers if I have to be in it. So if it's a lifestyle shoot, um, I need to give the photographer two to three weeks. But in February, I think I had like 12. But on average lately with how busy we're getting, I would say I juggle between... I have 12 to literally probably 22 clients a month. It is crazy, but I've mentioned this before. I have crazy support system. I have a lot of people helping me. And I also just have a crazy Greek ability to not explode, but. Right, right. Like you're crazy. So it helps with like the craziness of it. (laughs) It has to, I don't think there's a certain, I don't know, you kind of have to give up sanity at some point. And I don't mean completely. That's not what I'm saying. Still prioritize yourself, your health, your sleep, all the things you'd be stupid not to, but say no or no, say yes. Even if you don't know how to do it or how you don't think you're going to be able to achieve it and figure it out later, get the thing done. Who cares how, as long as it's right, you do it the right way. You do it for your client, but you want to make money, man. You want to, you want to make it choose sanity. Don't, don't pull your, spread yourself too thin, but there comes a time where it's like, just get out of your own damn way and do the thing. Right. Definitely. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about, uh, like your personal brand. Cause I know you started an account that's more just you and not food by Maria, just your, I don't know how to say your last name. So just your Maria. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jonah just explain like why you started that and kind of what you're using it for. Um, as opposed to your food by Maria account. Yeah. So when I first started it, I was using it as an escape and an outlet, like an non-food sanity. But over the years, it's actually become one of the biggest triggers because I think the loudest people kind of live there because they're so engaged with me or maybe so interested in me. Um, I've started using it much, 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 much less, like literally probably only like three posts a month. And, um, 
I just needed somewhere different to be, but it's hard to be too many places, especially with media by Maria. Now having that Instagram account, it was very, a lot, very, a lot. If that, those two words can be used in the same sentence. Um, (laughs) It was, uh, yeah. So food by Maria at the beginning was growing and it was a thing and I didn't feel like I had privacy and it was, you know, friends couldn't really be followed because I was focusing more on like following food accounts or following maybe potential clients. So I wanted to still maintain my friendships. Like, you know, everyone kind of wants to have a personal account, especially when my face isn't really associated to food by Maria all the time. But then I quickly realized it was like the most draining part. It's really weird. I don't know how to explain it. Hiding behind food is much easier than having to post all the time, but it's also because, so if Maria was my business account, I wouldn't talk about the things I do at Maria. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not afraid to kind of get a little salty with people. Like I swear all the time and I'm really freaking aggressive about it too. You know what I mean? I would do the same thing on food by Maria, but I realized that it's not worth it on that page anymore. I still have a lot to say and I still try my best to kind of convey because I'm really passionate about certain things like especially filters and just like young children saturating information that's complete bullshit on the internet, things like that. But at the end of the day, it just was costing me my sanity. So I had to kind of just shut all that off, especially last year. And maybe I'll hone into that soon, but it's just, well, you know what it's like, man, like between people yelling at like, you know, Nenshi or this or that and that, I'm just like, what is happening? I'm just, you know what I mean? Like, you just want to go there and like, find out like who Kim Kardashian's dating now. You know, like it used to just be better. And now it just feels like everything is so intense. So yeah, it's not fun. And I've never, ever done like a paid partnership on that account just because I knew that if I started, it might never end because I have such an addictive personality. Right. Yeah. And then you're running like two business accounts, which is not something you even probably have time for. No. Well, even just having media by Maria, but Tegan. Tegan, one of the teammates, she puts together the captions and the posts for me. So that's typically a lot easier than having to deal with all that stuff on your own. And you mentioned, because I remember when you were posting all the time on the Maria account, um, talking about filters and about like self-love and body love and everything that uh, I feel like it's important to talk about because of the internet. And like you said, just what people are consuming on Instagram. Um, And I know you've done a little bit you bring the filters a little bit onto Food by Maria. And now I don't know because I don't know if I'm seeing your account or the Food by Maria account, yeah, but I- It looks the same. I didn't, I don't even know the rest of the question. I was just going to start talking. And I, I realized as I was saying, I was like, I don't know what she asked yet. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're going to answer whatever I'm going to ask, but it was just about the decision to start talking about that type of stuff on your account. And then you kind of mentioned how you're dealing with like the backlash and the arguments, but I know that some people want to use their accounts for, for an actual platform to voice their opinion. So a lot of questions into one is basically your decision to use your platform to make change and to bring topics to light that you have an issue with or that you want to change. For sure. So I think, um, by nature, my account has always been, uh, justice, not justice, um, awareness leaning, leaning because I started my platform seven years ago or eight years ago or whatever it was, but it took me like 
Andrew and I have been together nine years. Okay. So maybe eight years ago, I started my Instagram and then it took me till year six or maybe even five to tell people that I suffered with an eating disorder. So as soon as I spread that message, people kind of started resonating with me more. And then I realized that if I have this voice, I should talk about it. So I feel like it kind of gave me a bit of an ego and a voice where I felt like people are listening, like, let's do this. So with that came talking about body positivity and all the things. And you know what, to be honest, Rachel, the filters for me, like, can we swear? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the filters for me, like I genuinely don't give a fuck. Like if you, you want to come at me with your opinion about a filter, there's a 100% chance that I'm genuinely not going to give a shit because I already know I'm right. And I know, like, I know that sounds so horrible to just assume, but the standpoint I'm coming from, there is no one in their right mind can tell me that at this point, filters are not damaging our youth. And it's, I'm not coming at you for using them. That's not the message I'm sending. I'm just saying, fuck them. Let's fix this. Okay. Cause you shouldn't be 12 going to a plastic surgeon telling him you want this nose. And that sometimes, you know, when you just sit in something and you know, it's right. Like you just don't care. Like, I don't care if you come at me about that stuff. And even years ago, stuff was happening with like injustices with like police officers and people of color. And I remember I would talk about it and people would be like, you're one of the only food bloggers that talks about this shit. And it's because once again, I had that ego that had developed. I almost felt untouchable in terms of, yeah, I can talk about this stuff because I created that surrounding where people were like, yeah, I love that you talk about like food insecurity or body positivity and this and that. So it was nice. But what I quickly realized was you have to trickle it in and be strategic about it. Because although, like I said, I'm going to think you're wrong, regardless of what you say about filters, you just have to make sure you're approaching it the right way. So I just quickly learned that not everyone's going to understand your aggressive Greek message. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I think actually a lot of people, myself included, learned that this past year with all of the BLM movement and things that no one normally was talking about. And all of a sudden you're posting all of these things because everyone else is posting. And even for me, like, not that I didn't support Black Lives Matter or people of color. It's just, I didn't talk about it. You know, and there was just no reason. And so when I started posting about it at the time, I had tons of messages with people being like, you can't do this. Like, I don't want to follow you. If you like post about this, like I had some people unfollow me and block me and like, okay, well, first of all, please do unfollow me because I don't have time for this. But then it was also that everyone was a little bit shocked because it was just totally different than what we're normally, what I'm personally normally talking about and other people in a similar type accounts. There's so many certainties to it. One, yes, go away. If you want to unfollow me, like fuck off. I have no interest in having you. But the thing that we as creatives have to understand is that they're there for a type of content and you're likely their release from something else going on in their life. So you still got to trickle in the good man because those months in June and July, I know that people of color and BLM were going through way more than we were, but those were still tough, um, tough on everyone. You know what I mean? It was sad. It was horrible. So continuing to not only be their guidance and awareness and everything else, but I think they still just needed that light from us and it was kind of taken away, right? Totally. Yeah. It was hard for everyone, I think, to be on social media just in general, from everything that was being posted by everybody. And it was all very 
like, like you said, it was like sad and negative for the most part, even though it was supposed to be supporting a movement, but it was obviously a very traumatic experience um, Mm -hmm. for the world to go through. Um, And so for people who want to build up their personal brand and maybe move it towards a platform with an opinion and with a change in mind, or they want to influence in that type of way. So whether it's body positivity or Black Lives Matter, any sort of like taking a stance on something and making change in the world, what would your advice be from someone who is very opinionated and shares a lot on social media to make it, like you said, more of like an ease into it so people know what to expect? For sure. So I would always make sure, um, well, actually, I saw a really cool thread yesterday. So um, Clubhouse is quickly becoming one of these platforms where everyone thinks they're a coach. Yes. And I think a lot of coaches are offended by this because it's like, yo, I have 20 years of experience, but now you have a clubhouse account and you're like going to go on there and talk about this and that and that. So I think my perspective of all this is, is make sure you use your own experience. Don't over promise that you're like something you're not, you know what I mean? Like, don't like, you're not a naturopath because you took a freaking online course. Um, you, you kind of sit in your worth and use experiences, like things that you're actually familiar with. So for me, that meant an eating disorder. For me, that meant maybe what filters meant to me when I first used it immediately. I was just like, what the fuck? Why do I like the way I look so much? I knew immediately, like the first two times I used it, I was just like, I'm out, I'm out, bro. This isn't normal. So to ease into it, you could even do like a story series where you talk about like what you're most passionate about or talking about like what it means to you or what this means to you. And, or you could just simply explain, yo, I'm sick of just being this chick who talks about this. I would love to bring in some social justice reforms or this and that. Um, what, what is it like? Maybe that is what you're taught, what you're passionate about is social justice. And I think just talking about it with them to begin with and not just throwing it out of nowhere, just trickling it in. And I think like by way of live social media lives and like introducing new people to your platform or introducing uplifting and positive people. And I think the biggest thing that we need to understand is like, we're never going to be perfectly right. We have to continue educating ourselves on all these things, whether that be, you know, even like, man, I, in July or August, I triggered a bunch of people and I had no idea. I, um, posted how I had done like 20, I don't know, maybe it was two months of like, um, with my fitness trainer. And I just had to adjust my diet a little bit. Cause I was so inflamed and I was just feeling like shit. And I had lost a little bit of weight, but literally the numbers didn't go down. I just like deflated water. And I showed people cause I was super jazzed. Cause I felt like shit for so long. And they knew this, they knew what I was going through. They knew that I was having like post bulimic thoughts, like not to actually, um, be sick again, but my brain was going back there. So I went on there to hold myself accountable and they, they had all agreed they were chill. And then so many people were like, this is triggering for people who have had eating disorders because you're showing me your before and after as though it's something that's like better. And I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this person here felt like shit. Now she feels better. But like, regardless of this, I simply want to tell you what I did to do this and It's not as much like if you feel like shit, let's just do this and look at the benefits. And I tried so hard to do it the right way and I still did it the wrong way. So I think just kind of admitting that like you're never going to make anyone happy. So just do what works for you. But just like sit in that honesty. Right. Like just realize that you're likely not an expert. Like I'm not an eating disorder expert, but I'm an expert in my experience. 
Right. So I think that's the important part. And don't let people take away your voice, but just don't claim to be something you're not. You know what I mean? Right. I think having that transparency that it's a journey and we're all learning and you're doing it at the same time, just more publicly than other people would do it. For sure. And I mean, a lot of people aren't into the whole public thing, which I totally get. But for me, for some reason, I've never had issues with being open. I don't know why. But I think also I'm realizing that the more private I am, the safer I truly am. I don't mean like safety. I just mean up here, your mental health. It's just, it's a weird space, man. Especially 2020 did some, that was a bitch, man. Like it really messed with people's heads. Definitely. And that was actually one of the questions that I have coming up next. So I'll just ask you now how your mindset has changed from 2020 to this year, just knowing obviously what we went through last year, but then also that we're still in it. Very good, Ashley Olson. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think that 2021 still feels more hopeful. Like we launched the course. It did really well. We did all the things. But at the same time, like, because I have like a little bit of a control disorder, I just hate being told what to do and like how to do it. And I think that's been my biggest, the most difficult thing for me is being told like who you can and cannot see. And I understand all the rules. I get it. But like, that's the hardest part for me because as a creative, you're stuck in your own head 24 seven. Literally, I wish I was joking. And then to not just have that outlet, like it doesn't feel the same, like things just feel weird. And I don't know about you, but like since Saturday, I finally feel a little bit better today. But like the past four days, I have felt crazy. Like literally I was losing it. My brain was about to fall off. And I was just like, oh my God, here we go down this rabbit hole. But then what I forgot was it's February. Seasonal depression's kicking in. We got fatigue because February is just like a weird month, like snow. We just had that really like polar vortex shit, like all the things. But what happened in 2020 is we forgot about systems and plans and calendar years and, and routines and all these things. And now everything just feels surrounded by the C word. And instead of it being life, we forget. So everything's just completely drowning in those emotions instead of being logical and looking up. And I, and I still look up. It just takes heart. It takes a lot like longer to get there, but just the first two months of the year are never the best. And I've been doing great. We've been doing great, but as a collective, do you not feel like this has probably been the roughest month of it all of it all, even since last year? Oh yeah, for sure. It is. And it's a weird, like you said, you can just like feel it. Like it's a weird feeling that didn't really exist before in it. Mm-hmm. It's really weird. Like I literally over the past three days, I thought that I had like little people living in my head, just kind of like knocking at every single crevice. And I'm like, I'm going insane. Everything would trigger me. I'd see a client pop up on Instagram stories. And then I would immediately remember that they didn't email me. And then I would get to my email and I'd remember an invoice came in. And then I would think to myself, I didn't go to the bank, but then I would remember that I left my toque in my car. And then I would remember I have to wash my car, but then I forgot I had to pay this. And it literally, it just never stopped. And I know a lot of us have those feelings, but when you're in it, it's weird. So all in all, 2021 is very hopeful, but we have to remain in a space where we're allowed to just remember things how they were kind of like March, spring, fine. Like, you know, in Canada, it's not really a thing, but whatever we, March still, <laughs> March deals, still feels a little bit happier in April, you know, country music starts playing. I don't really love country music at all. I know you do, but like April to me is like one of those months where like, 
feel like I want to listen to country music and maybe a little bit of May and like, you know, the sunroof starts opening in May, like all those things. I feel like we let go of that because it's just so much uncertainty. And I'm just trying to remind myself there like, and although my business are doing fine, like there's nothing to be um, complaining about, but I think at the end of the day, still got to focus on the mental health aspect. And I truly believe, although 2020 is hopeful, I think this is going to be the worst year for people who had to stay strong last year. Definitely. When I think it's just because you only can stay strong for so long and then it's too long. And it's like, especially creatives too. I mean, everyone, but since this is a podcast specifically, Uh, episode talking about like creatives I think we have a lot of fatigue too because people are relying on us in some ways not everyone like not absolutely everyone relies on like the humans on the internet but some people take their shit out on us too so it totally and if you believe in like energies and stuff like we suck up that energy so your phone can sometimes be the gateway to really yucky things even if you feel completely okay Definitely. No. And I think, yeah, hopefully 2021 is more hopeful. And then it does. I think, like you said, it gets, the sun comes out, the days are longer. It feels more like, like summer's just always a better feeling, I think, than like February and January, because it's always so cold and dark. So I think that should be better for everyone, hopefully. Yeah. Um, and what can we look forward to from you? What can we look forward to from you this year? Because I know you launched your course, but anything else we should be excited about. So we're doing two more launches or three more launches of the course, which will be great. And then what else can you look forward to for me? I don't know, just like a lot of freelance content, uh, a lot of really cool recipes. Uh, There was a few projects that we had on the go in 2019 before everything happened, which have had to be have been put on hold since. But Truthfully, I don't even know where we're sitting in all this. I just know it's a lot of like, like powerful uh, changes. So like, I think my team's going to grow. I think I'm going to find more alignment. I'm hiring um, a coach who's going to help with like grow growth and development strategy strategies. Um, I want to eventually buy like a studio where I do some workshops and stuff like that. So I think overall, just look forward to a lot of expansion and perhaps uh, finding your way to food by Maria. If you know, you're a foodie out there and you want to get better at things. Definitely. I love that. And so where can people find you share all of your your businesses or non-businesses. Find them. <laughs> For sure. So food by Maria is foodbymaria.com. You can check out our app, which is also food by Maria. And then Instagram is food by Maria. And then my business is, um, my, sorry, my food, it's not necessarily food blogging. We call it the paid partnership playbook. That's our first course. Uh, it can be found at media by Maria, where we teach you all things, how to get paid land, paid partnerships, and kind of just sit in that worth, talk about money, all my favorite things. And yeah, you can, um, you just find us on social media. My personal account isn't fun right now, so don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> Leave me alone. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming back on here again and sharing all of your your content creative knowledge. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Rachel. Thanks for listening to another episode of Poolside Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Maria and myself. She is amazing. Make sure you're following her and check out her amazing recipes. They are just as delicious as she describes them. Also, if you have one second, if you could follow 
I guess subscribe is what it is for a podcast. Subscribe, rate and review wherever you're listening to this podcast. That would be greatly appreciated. If you like the episode, share it with a friend, take us on social media, whatever you can do to spread the word about Full Side Podcast. I really appreciate it. And I will see you in the next episode.